Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. So I think we may have to accept the fact that uh, I'm not going to have a great deal of uh, full health this week. I keep thinking that I'm going to wake up the next day and my voice is going to be back and I keep waking up the next day and it's not uh, a whole lot better. I think it do I think it does sound a little bit deeper today, which I don't know, I guess that's good. A little more resonance. Those of you that are new listeners, you probably think that I'm a you know, 80-year-old man coming in here with this gravelly Oh yeah, obviously I've been smoking consistently for the last 25 years as well that's uh that goes without saying i'll just uh i'll I'll take this week's podcast to try to do my best alec baldwin and will arnett impressions in the middle in the middle of the episodes no no we're not going to do that we're going to do what we've been doing all week which is get through the most important stuff here on the show uh survive it make sure that i can continue to have enough strength to demand things of my children when we get off air and then set us up for uh, the continuing check-ins on basketball over on the social media side. Because as I said yesterday, it doesn't hurt my voice to type. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. I'm your host, Dan Vespris, and I'm dealing with easily the worst case of laryngitis I've had in a decade. And the only reason I know that to be true is because I've never had to fight my way through broadcasts quite the way I've had to do this week. And I'm trying to think back about, about all my time in minor league baseball, and there were certainly games where we went into 13, 14 innings, whatever it was, and I'm doing these games solo, and it's five hours of broadcasting, and I woke up the next day, and I felt like I, if I spoke, that just a plume of dust would come out of my throat. But usually by the day after that, it started to feel a little bit better. But, you know, this this started on Sunday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And we're four days into this thing, and I'm still feeling pretty beat up. Although, you know, the more that I speak today, the more that I realize, if you're listening, it probably doesn't sound that different at baseline. The real difference is that I don't have the ability to go up or down any registers, and it's a little bit more monotonous. So whatever, you know, you don't get the nickname Pedantic for nothing. We'll go Pedantic and we'll go Monotone today. How's that for great podcasting? Let's dive into the big Wednesday results. This is, uh, you know how I always, I don't watch that many late night shows. There was a stretch in my life where I tried to watch uh, a night show, like a like a, uh, a Colbert or uh, Conan O'Brien would be one that, was probably the longest lasting, and they always open their shows by saying, we got a great for, great show for you tonight. Conan was the only one who ever made a joke about that particular phrase. He'd say, oh, you know, I say this every night, but tonight we really do. And then sometimes he'd say, eh, tonight our show is okay. Well, I'm telling you right now, an 11-game Wednesday that happened yesterday had very few... Big needle moves. And that's okay. It'll speed up how fast we can go through the 11 games more than anything. It also highlights something we talk about in this podcast every few weeks, which is this idea in an NBA season 
on the fantasy side at least, of an ebb and a flow to how fantasy operates. First couple weeks of the season, it's a big-time flow. You have all the storylines that analysts weren't able to predict during fantasy draft season. So that means you've got a bunch of pickups that are necessary. You've got guys that are probably going to turn out to be drops that got drafted. And then it settles in for a couple weeks. And then you have teams that make their adjustments or guys start to get hurt two to three weeks into the season. So you get your next flow. We just had a flow over the last two weeks, I think, with guys like Jalen Duran, Walker Kessler, moving into the forefront that, you know, really on uh, for both of those guys, it really wasn't related to any large-scale injury. I know Kessler got a couple of starts when Larry Markkinen went down, but his minutes have trended up, and now obviously they're staying higher with Kelly Olynyk out. On the Jalen Duran side, that was just Dwayne Casey saying, you know what, screw it, let's let the young guy go. And now we're back into another ebb. These changes have settled. These changes we saw the last two weeks have stuck. And so now we're in a spot where we're looking more for individual injuries. Guys come back, guys go down. How can we make the little tweaks to our fantasy rosters to get through this little stretch? There probably won't be a lot of rest of season names that pop up for I don't know how many days. How long could an ebb go? Two games, three games, a week, whatever. We still have to be paying very close attention because something, little things are always happening, but the big stuff that happens in that sort of a sine wave type pattern isn't happening the last couple of days. For instance, Cleveland beat Milwaukee 114-106. Milwaukee has slowed markedly after their very hot start to the season, which... You could argue they were playing a little bit over their heads. They were obvi- they were very happy to have Brooke Lopez back. They're still first place in the Eastern Conference at 22-9, and nine, so there's really nothing going wrong there. But And they haven't slowed to the degree that the Celtics slowed down. Boston has really, uh, they're four and six in their last 10 ball games. They've been missing some guys. And the Bucks have been able to do it without Chris Middleton because Giannis is crazy. But from a fantasy standpoint, they're in a whole lot. Bobby Portis has had a couple of slower ball games. I got a question about whether or not Joe Ingles was the guy who was cutting into the Portis minutes. I don't think that's the case. Uh, I think this is just another game where the Portis wasn't getting it done. He was a minus 18 during his time on the floor, so his unit was just getting decimated. And sometimes if you're getting crushed, you're not going to see a, a ton of playing time. On the other side, Kevin Love got a little bonus run because Evan Mobley was in foul trouble. You're not going to make any sort of Uh, add or drop related to that. Philly blew out Detroit, and there were almost no adjustments to your fantasy numbers here. Jalen Duran, 28 minutes, managed to survive going up against Joel Embiid. Isaiah Stewart, who ended up, I think, with more of the Embiid assignment, did not. Five fouls, five turnovers for Isaiah Stewart. He's showing himself to perhaps not even be a standard league guy, despite all of the opportunity before him one of the things you want out of your big man is rebounds and right now Jalen Duran is is severely out rebounding Isaiah Stewart we can give him a little bit longer uh but I do think there's a very real chance that Stewart doesn't 
need to be on a fantasy roster the rest of this season. He may end up being more of a schedule stream kind of guy. And right now he's number 134 in his season minutes anyway. So that's bearing itself out in the numbers. Killian Hayes, same story, kind of low-end point guard replacement. He's been, I would argue, fine for the last month, but he's not blowing anybody's socks off. He's number 125 over his last 15 games. I think that's probably about where he ends up as a starter. Boyan Bogdanovich, Jalen Duran are the guys that are startable right this second. Jaden Ivey is more of your luxury stash on that Detroit side, so kind of the same story. No notes on the Philly side. All the same guys are starters. The four of their five starters are guys you can just play in your fantasy league, and you don't have to think about it. Pascal Siakam went for 52 in yesterday's ballgame. Toronto snapping their own losing skid while at the same time snapping the Knicks' winning streak. Uh, Raptors really needed that. They're 3-7 and seven in their last 10 ballgames. They're 4-12 and 12 on the road this year. That's one of the worst records of any contending team in the NBA. They're 10-6 and six at home, interestingly. Uh, with this giant ballgame, Siakam rocketed up into the top or into the second round, I should say. He's number 23 in 9-cat right now. That's pretty awesome. Freddie Van Fleet had another solid ball game. He moved up to number 33 in 9-cat. And so he's another guy that's been pretty steadily on the rise here the last week and a half. And Philly was down in the 50 range. He's climbed almost inside the top 30. We know with him where he'll likely end up. But people were really in a full panic about it. And then there's the whole how many games does he miss thing, which just does generally tend to be a little bit of a problem. But it's only six so far. It's not uh, it's not a, a mind-bendingly high number. It's not a, a game-changing number for Van Vliet. It's an annoying number, but he's 26 out of 32. And a lot of guys in the NBA have done worse than that. And the hope now with Van Vliet is that the steals trend up. He's at 1.7. You'd like to get that to 1.8, 1.9, or even 2. And the field goal percent trends up from 38 to 40 or 41, and that'll put him back in the second round discussion. There are no streamers on the Toronto side. There is a streamer on the Knicks side, and that was Emmanuel Quickly, who filled in for Quentin Grimes. Uh, Grimes, it doesn't sound like he's going to be out that long, but if he misses any additional ball games, you all know where to go. So make Emmanuel Quickly your injury. Kind of a speculative stream because we don't know if he's going to get another start but I think it's safe to say you want to be there if he does get another start because he has generally a pretty fun fantasy game now in this one he was particularly efficient shooting seven out of ten I don't want to ignore that and a lot of those were three pointers and there actually wasn't a lot of the peripheral stuff that makes his fantasy game so good now some of that is simply because he's going to play now with the starting unit so he can't get Chuck crazy while sitting behind Randall, Barrett, and Brunson in the pecking order. Pretty easy thing to discuss. Kind of a fun little footnote on this game. R.J. Barrett played 46 minutes. Tom Thibodeau well on his way to exploding another young basketball player. Indy with a road win in Boston. Didn't see that one coming. Especially with the Celtics kind of getting healthy now. Boston's They're just in a little bit of a lull after an historically good shooting start to the year. Now everybody's missing, except Tatum. He still had a good ball game, but uh, Brogdon missed a bunch of shots. Horford missed his shots. Brown missed his shots. White went 0 for 7. The shooting has 
regressed, which I guess we probably figured would happen because no one was going to shoot as well as the Celtics did the first month and a half of the season. Uh, Celtics side, with no Marcus Smart, he sat this one out. Malcolm Brogdon got the bump. That's another one you can kind of keep in the back of your head, but I think this was just a, a head cold for uh, Smart, maybe a light fever. We don't have the exact symptoms. I'm guessing he'll be back for Boston's next ballgame, so I don't think you want to make any adjustments to your numbers there. Time Lord, ready to go. 22 minutes is more than enough for him. He'll continue to trend up, but you're already at the startable floor. Uh, Horford is a hold and a start. 28 minutes is more than enough for Big Al. And uh, you know, you'll see those guys start to play together a little bit more as well. Um, presumably, they'll be shifting Robert Williams into the starting five at some point in the not-too-distant future, and then you'll kind of see how everything else settles around that. On the indie side, Aaron Neesmith, a little bit of a revenge game, I guess. Uh, had some foul trouble, but had a good ball game. I think he and Nemhard, who, you know, they each played relatively well in this one. They profile more as that schedule stream level. And when I refer to someone as a schedule stream, I just want to quickly reiterate, I'm talking about the guys that probably settle somewhere near the 120 range which technically makes them a startable player in a 12-team start 10 kind of league, like just barely, but you know, right around the edge of the first 120 spots. But at the same time, there are so many of those guys that are bouncing on and off of rosters, you don't really need to hold them rest of season. You can drop them in when they've got three games and four nights or something like that, and then you pivot to someone else who's ranked similarly, who maybe has a, a particular stat category your team needs in a weekly battle, Roto Games Cap side, those guys don't get on my radar because on the Roto Games Cap side, you're hunting for anybody that can go 80 or higher, which is easier said than done. You're going to get plenty of, of individual games out of your players that aren't that good, but that's what you're hunting for because uh, those are the guys that kind of push you up the board as opposed to just tread water. Chicago got a crazy win there 2-0 since the players exploded at one another for whatever the hell that's worth. And again, the big winner since that little explosion is Nikola Vucevic, who's up to number 30 now in 9-cat and has continued to play in every single Bulls game. 31 for 31. That is big. He's actually been great for fantasy purposes. I don't want to undersell what Vucevic has done so far this year. Being that durable and being about a half round ahead of his ADP is a big win. There are two ways, three ways really, but two main ways you can win on a draft day pickup. Either they beat their ADP on a per-game basis, and they play enough games to where that is useful, or they get pretty damn close to their ADP, as is the case with Vooch. He's just in front of it, so that's even better than being just behind it, but then also play in pretty much every damn ball game, and so by totals, Vooch is actually number 17 right now. I know we've talked about him two days in a row, but he's been good two days in a row, and he just keeps playing. Uh, no other real notes on this one. Alex Caruso got his bell rung. He's in concussion protocols, but I don't think that changes much. The only thing, way, the only way things change for the Bulls is if either Levine or DeRozan goes down, or Vooch, because then you'd see enough Andre Drummond probably for a one-game stream. But if De Levine or DeRozan goes down, then we've we've seen it before, where Caruso and Pat Williams in particular get enough usage to move up and over that playable hurdle. But the Bulls have actually, as a team, been pretty damn durable this year, which you know, doesn't bode well on their 13-18 and 18 record, but 
You haven't had that many fill-in opportunities since very early in the year when Desumu was seeing a bunch of extra time when Levine was out. For the Hawks, Onyeka Okongwu got the start in this one. If he starts, we start him. L18 and 11, five blocks. That's that crazy upside and why he's a guy you sort of have one eye on all the time. But Clint Capella trying to get back in time for tomorrow's game. We'll see if he does. If he doesn't, you start Okongwu again. If he does, obviously you bench Okongwu. That's a fairly straightforward one-to-one thing going on there. Uh, A.J. Griffin had a pretty good line, only 21 minutes off the bench. He's not going to be that efficient every ballgame, so don't buy in on that. DeAndre Hunter had an okay line. He did play 38 minutes, uh, but I don't like his fantasy game. He doesn't usually get two blocks. He doesn't usually get nine rebounds. He's pretty much been exclusively scoring so far this year. That isn't enough for me. And then Bogdan Bogdanovich is the other guy you're sort of keeping half an eye on. By the way, with John Collins, they're going to ramp his minutes up here, so don't don't freak out. You can keep him benched on your games cap side until you see him hit you know, 24 or 25 minutes or whatever target you want to set. Bogdan Bogdanovich, 30 minutes off the bench, 12 shots. That'll be enough for him. He's not going to be the you know top 40, top 50 range guy. He was posting when Collins and Murray were both out because those guys are back and they're going to take a bunch of the shots. DeJounte in particular took 17 yesterday. Uh, but Bogdan's going to be a top 100 play off the bench, and so he should remain on your roster. Uh, I think he was just good enough yesterday to not create any fantasy panic. I actually don't know that that's necessarily the case, but if he does ever create a little bit of panic, I think you'd want to try to buy low with like a 110 range kind of guy. Brooklyn blew out Golden State. This one... I don't want to say played out the way I expected on the Warriors side because James Wiseman had 30. No, you're not adding Wiseman. This was a garbage time special. Uh, but there were a lot of questions about whether or not folks should take the plunge on someone like Moses Moody um, or Jonathan Kaminga. And my take was, honestly, I just don't trust these backup Warriors. I, I don't think Kaminga's fantasy game is as good as folks want you to believe because his percentages are bad. Uh, I don't really know a ton about Moses Moody's fantasy game, and looking at the numbers, you're like, well, maybe it plays itself out. I think I'd rather just wait uh, and stream Dante DiVincenzo when he comes back and kind of see how that goes. But, I mean, this was really like the full zombie warriors. I don't even know why Draymond Green played in this ballgame, honestly. They had, they had no chance of winning with everybody else out. Uh, Jordan Poole, brutal game, uh, He's going to do a ton here with everybody hurt, but this is an awful one. On the Brooklyn side, they just, you know, they got it done in, in two quarters, basically. And so we can't we can't take anything away. Let's keep moving. Dallas beat Minnesota on the road. Luka, uh, better efficiency in this one. That's what you're always looking for with Doncic. That kept him at number eight in fantasy. Um, <clears throat> that's good. You want the efficiency. That's the thing that's going to float him. The three steals is also part of it. Christian Wood started, but Dwight Powell's back playing again. Maxi Kleba's out for a while. Um, and so Wood lost, you know, 21 of his center minutes to Powell, which I think is just kind of the way it's going to be. Wood is not going to get 30-some-odd minutes most ballgames when there's another center option healthy because they just they, they don't feel like he can handle it. They don't feel like their defense can handle it. Tim Hardaway Jr. did enough to stay rostered. It wasn't a great ball game. He missed a couple free throws, and he didn't get any steals, but I think he, you know, four three-pointers, 21 points, that sort of keeps him 
in the discussion. He's been just barely good enough in this starter's role uh, when you balance out the really big games with the really bad ones. I'll keep it for now. We'll call it a hold. And then there was really no obvious winner in the Dorian Finney-Smith got hurt sweepstakes because Reggie Bullock did, as we predicted, shift up to power forward, did play a bunch of minutes, but didn't really do anything with him. Over on the Wolves side, Rudy Gobert came back with a huge ball game. It wasn't enough, but it did mean that you can drop Nas Reed now. Austin Rivers had another big one. And I'll admit, we just sort of missed the boat on this Austin Rivers fill-in. I don't think it lasts much longer. I guess I don't totally know. Um, Someone else is probably going to cash in on Rivers. I just know that the second I make a move to add him, which I could very easily say, go ahead and do it, I just know... His next ball game is going to be a, a trademark Austin Rivers clunker. How could it not? I don't know. That's one where I, I legitimately come on here and I say to you, <coughs> cough, I don't know. I don't. Portland lost, but nothing changed. Still dodging the Oklahoma City roulette wheel, and I feel so good about it. Because not one of those non-Shea guys had a startable fantasy line yesterday. Lou Dort was, I guess, the closest because he had a steal and a block. And his percentages weren't terrible. Awesome. Let's keep going. Don't even have to pause on that one. Mo Wagner, Superstream in Orlando, continues to just rock the socks off. Crazy. Awesome. Keep rolling. Bull Bolt, 8-7 and seven with a couple of blocks. You know, that actually plays, believe it or not. And 25 minutes for him is probably enough to keep him in that probably 80 to 100 range. So definitely not a drop at 25 minutes per game. I still think that if you can get him for someone ranked at like 100 range, you could probably do it. Because those 100 range guys that you're sending away don't have the ability that Bull does. Which is, if, you know, if he comes out and has a game where he plays 31 minutes again, and I don't know that that's going to happen, but... Maybe once every blue moon, someone gets in foul trouble, whatever. He gets hot. He could post a top 30 kind of fantasy line, and that's what pulls those names up the board. I'm not saying he's going to do that. I'm not saying he's going to settle at that even, but even one of those out of every five or six ball games, that would actually be enough to get it done. The thing we're really paying attention to, in addition to Bull, is this Markel Fultz-Cole Anthony thing where... For about three ball games in a row, Fultz was winning that battle, and this one, Fultz was just not as good. So Anthony saw a bunch of extra playing time. The units he was a part of were the winning units in yesterday's game, uh, and so Fultz fell off a cliff. I I think you can still grant Fultz a little bit of breathing room, but I continue to maintain that he is not a guaranteed fantasy value this year. He's number one eighty six in basically starters minutes because the percentages haven't been good. The turnovers have been high. The assists have been fine, but not game-breaking level. And right now, really, the only thing he's doing that's been above what you're hoping for is steals. He's going to be alluring because of the assists and the steals. But there's a lot of stuff going on there that makes me think he and Cole Anthony both end up more as schedule stream level guys or even slightly behind that. No notes on the Houston side. It's the same crap. They continue to play Eric Gordon 32 minutes of ball game uh, while also 
losing games. Uh, we got a better one out of KJ Martin, but again, there's no consistency there. Tari Eason got 21 minutes, no consistency there. Uh, move on. Lakers, no shot here. Not without Reeves, Westbrook, and Anthony Davis. I don't know how the Lakers stay afloat, but from a fantasy standpoint, LeBron's going to have gigantic ball games. Lonnie Walker's going to stay solid, uh, especially with no Westbrook in there and no Austin Reeves. Thomas Bryant filling in for AD continues to be a very easy play. So I guess fantasy players, we kind of like the fact that there's been other names added to the Lakers board here lately. But if they fall out of contention, that's terrible for LeBron and it's terrible for the superstars because then you might just blow the season up. I do wonder if this is the point where the Lakers are like, look, we got to just swing a trade because if we don't, we got no shot of competing the rest of this year and we can't stay afloat right now because all of our guys are hurt. Or is Anthony Davis so hurt that there's no point? He traveled with the team but stayed back at the hotel to get treatment. I, I really don't know what's going on with this AD stuff. They've, been, they've offered no clarity at all. None. But we'll just kind of have to keep sticking with it. Uh, Kevin Herter had his first big game in a while, so that's good. I, I still think that he probably settles more into the schedule stream territory as well. This good ball game pushed him up to number 97 over the last month. Sorry, there was a long pause there because I'm uh, having issues with my voice slash coughing. Overall on the year, Herter's number 86. On a per-game basis, that's still, by all accounts, a holdable and startable asset. I just, I think... He settles back into that schedule stream. I guess we'll see. Meanwhile, Keegan Murray continues to take little steps every couple of weeks, little steps forward. Unfortunately, on this team, there really aren't any rebounds left after Demonis Sabonis grabs another 21. That, I think, is the spot where we need Murray to take a step forward is either the rebounds or the percentages. And right now, he's mostly a floor spacer. So I don't know that he's actually ever going to be uh, top 90 fantasy play this year, at least. Not with the way the Kings are configured and how little is left for him to do outside of just scoring. If he can get the percentages up higher, that would be the way that he could get up and over that hump. If he can't, and he's really just a floor spacer with a little bit of upside, you're probably looking at someone that maxes out near the 100 mark. And that's okay, I guess, but certainly... If you drafted him, even though I told you never draft rookies, if you want to get in on a rookie, you do it mid-season when someone's panicking on them. Uh, you probably wanted something more. Clippers blew out the Hornets. They still gave their guys pretty close to starters level run, which was useful. The game, the Hornets cut it down to, I think, 13 midway through the fourth quarter. So there was a reason to, for the Clippers to have the starters in a little bit late. Uh, I'm fine with it. I think we're all fine with it. Paul George, lots of turnovers. That was not great for his numbers, but overall, solid ball game. Nick Batum was fantastic again. I mean, every time the Clippers have a game where they're trying to win it, Batum has a good fantasy line. He continues to be a nine-category startable player right now. And Kawhi Leonard, another decent ball game. The percentages haven't really gotten where we need them to be. I think he's still working on getting enough lift on his shot, but 16-7-4 with a steal, a three-pointer. Even the free throws were a little bit better. He's coming around. Uh, Luke Kennard, I think, actually profiles as a schedule stream. I think he's he's good enough for that, and he's very good at hitting three-pointers, so that tends to be kind of a helpful little note. 
And that's it on the Clippers side. As the Hornets go, uh, Jalen McDaniels was decent again off the bench. Schedule stream level guy. Uh, P.J. Washington has fallen now. He's a schedule stream level guy. I don't think he needs to be rostered and started every day. Uh, Mason Plumley got more of the run at center. That's why we talked about Nick Richards not being a, a super safe play. And then, you know, I, I keep saying the same thing. Gordon Hayward, just not good anymore. He's outside the top 200. I've said it everywhere that I can possibly say it. Twitter, my show, other shows. I don't think Hayward's a guy that needs to be on fantasy rosters. He looks slow. He looks out of shape. I don't know if it's injury stuff or what, but he's just not the same Gordon Hayward he used to be, uh, and I don't think you need to worry about it. I don't, because there's no defensive stats to float what used to be his calling card, which was more efficiency, and he doesn't even have that right now. So, bye-bye, Gordon. I don't need you on my fantasy team. Well, we made it through it, folks. My voice didn't completely implode. We made it through an 11-game recap uh, where very little happened. Isn't that crazy? I mean, we still got to do it because we need to be aware of everything that's going on. That's how fantasy works. But we'll take it over to social media uh, before my voice does go away again. I'm hoping, we'll see, I guess, that I can get through maybe a little more excitement in tomorrow's podcast. But hopefully you guys can hear in my voice when I find something that I actually care about. For now, we'll take it over to Twitter. Short card tonight. This is a little bit of a fantasy break day. Uh, so... In all likelihood, there won't be a whole lot going on either. San Antonio, New Orleans is interesting because Zion got put into protocols. Washington and Utah. It's funny. These were games that beginning of the season, I think I would have said were going to be terrible. But uh, New Orleans without Zion is going to be a little more fun. And then Utah, Washington actually could be kind of fun. High scoring games, totals of 228, 230. Ah, well, go enjoy it. I'm Dan Baspris. This is Fantasy NBA Today, or I'm a... I'm a, what Dan Vespers used to be before I was beset by this god-awful laryngitis. <coughs> Excuse me. Dang it, I almost made it through the show there. Please do follow me on Twitter, at Dan Vespers. As I said earlier in the program, typing does not hurt my voice. So we'll do more typing today, less talking, and I'll talk to you guys again tomorrow. So long, everybody. <laughs>